0: Welcome to the Clovercrest Baptist Church podcast. For more information about Clovercrest Baptist Church, go to clovercrest.com.au. We're going to be focusing in uh, around what matters most over the next month. And I want to ask you this question straight off the bat. What matters most to you? What is it that matters most to you? Some of you... You know, as you think about that, you might be quite pragmatic and rational and like you say, well, Mike, clearly I need oxygen to breathe. That's what matters most. Or I need food or I need some shelter. They're the things that, you know, matter most in my life because without those things, I couldn't do anything else. Or for some of you, you might be, you know, maybe a bit more relational when you start to think about people. You're like, oh, these are the people that I love the most. They matter most to me. I couldn't actually do life without these people. Or there might be a certain animal uh, that you have. You know, maybe you know a certain pet uh, that you've got and you've gone. You know what? That's that matters most to me. Uh, or a or wonder for some, you might have some certain attachments. Or maybe you know. It's not you knowing you have those attachments, but, you know, those in your world know that you have certain attachments. And if I said, what matters most to your partner or to your uh, child, uh, they might say, well, you know, dad loves the TV remote. You know, I'm pretty sure like that matters a lot to him or, you know, maybe Mum, I'm not sure. Uh, Maybe it's good coffee. You know, maybe you're thinking about going away on a holiday and you're like, well, wherever we go, I need to make sure I get good coffee. If the coffee's not good, I can't go there. You know, that might be something that matters most. It might, it might be the hair straightener. I'm not sure. I haven't thought about that one much for myself, but it could be for you. I wonder, when I ask that question, what matters most, what comes uh, to your mind? Because sometimes we don't think about what matters most until we don't have it or until we need to pack it like into one bag. I remember before being a pastor, I was a PE science teacher, and we used to take students away to the Flinders Ranges, and we'd go for uh, you know walks, sometimes a week at a time, and we literally had to pack everything into the rucksack that you can see on the screen there. Like we had to put our whole week in there. And I remember the night before, you'd lay it all out on the lounge room floor, and you'd have your food, you'd have your shelter, you know, you'd have. Um, Or your cooking equipment, you have the first aid kit, and you'd kind of work out, all right, I know I've done this 100 times before, but how am I going to get all of that into this? And it's really fascinating when you get to take students away on these trips as well. Like, I had this one uh, really creative guy. who has gone on to do pretty well for himself in in the music and arts industry. He brought a pair of dress shoes along to a five-day bushwalk. So it was probably only half a day in, realised that was a bad choice, Right? So, oh no, I have to carry these the other four and a half days of this trip. See, it's sometimes it's not until we've got to pack it into a bag, or sometimes when we don't have it, you, you realise what matters most. I wonder what it is for you. And in our relationship with God, it's a really important thing to consider before the Lord what matters most. And as followers of Jesus, um, God's got a goal. Uh, God's got a desire, he's got a hope for your life, and that is to become more like Jesus. That's the goal. The goal of being mature and formed spiritually is actually to become more like Jesus. So in terms of attending to what matters most is to grow in a life-giving relationship with God and to live for him in our world. This is what Paul says, Romans 12, he says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, now this word mercy means forgiveness or compassion. You know, in, you know, due to God's compassion, his forgiveness in your life, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper Worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see, God's at work in our lives. He's at work in your life and my life. He's actually at work in everyone's lives, whether they acknowledge that or not. And due to His mercy in our lives, His His compassion, His, His forgiveness in our lives, we're encouraged to offer ourselves back to Him. And that is a spiritual act of worship. And then we actually know and we understand what is his will as he renews us, as he renews our mind and works in and through us in this life-giving, intimate relationship with him. Paul goes on to say this in 2 Corinthians 5. Uh, He says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God was making his appeal through us. So we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You see, this imagery of an ambassador is really quite powerful. There's a political, um, you know, kind of um, angle on this because in political terms, an ambassador is sent by a king or by the prime minister to represent a nation while living in another nation. And they do that to protect the people, grow trade, work for peace. Um, today we have um, brand ambassadors, so you have people that have social capital, social influence and they wear certain things or they promote certain things to re- and in, in a kickback for that, receive you know the items or money in exchange for that or something along those sorts of lines. But an ambassador represents and serves a greater purpose and in certain ways has certain protections as well and what Paul is saying is that we are Christ's ambassadors and, and really it's our role to represent Jesus in the places in which we live. So when it comes to what matters most, when really it's all said and done as followers of Jesus, it's really to live for God and to represent Him in our world. This is ultimately what it means to attend to what matters most. Some of you know that I've been doing a a little bit of extra study that's going to be happening over the next couple of years, and a couple of weeks ago I was um, in a unit called Spiritual Formation, and it's really interesting, and the professors took us on a bit of a journey from the early church through to now, looking at the different ways, different communities of faith, uh, across different um, eras of time, um, connected and engaged and were formed uh, by God. Uh, into his likeness, more into his likeness. And we spent a little bit of time uh, looking at Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and I did a bit of extra research around him. You might know his name, you might know a little bit about him, you might know a lot about him. He was a pastor and a theologian from last century, and he worked uh, for world peace as well. A little known fact, he worked on this little ecumenical group um, towards world peace. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a really interesting guy. He had a lot of training. He spent some time in uh, Germany and both in uh, America training. He passed it in Barcelona, in London, in Germany. And he was really, really um, formed in, in his thought and in his practice. And he said this in one of, his, um, one of his books, The Cost of Discipleship. He says, only the one who obeys, believes, and only the one who believes, obeys. I'll say it again. Only the one who obeys, believes. And only the one who believes obeys. You know, central to Bonhoeffer's theology, so his understanding of God, and his practice was that of a lived faith. It was a lived faith. He was a very smart man, highly intelligent, a lot of great thought, but he couldn't just allow it to sit in his mind. It wasn't something that could just stay there or even move his heart. In terms of him being formed as a disciple, he also needed to live that out. There was a lived faith as a part of his life and his practice in following Jesus. And it actually meant something to him. It was really significant in terms of how he lived his faith in practice. Because in 1939, he had an opportunity to go to America uh, where he had studied previously, and they invited him to be an adjunct professor at a Bible college. And he had this opportunity to go, and in some ways, to remove himself from what was happening in Germany at the time, and it was you know, right on the, the, the start of uh, World War II, and you know, the Nazi regime that was happening in Germany, and he had this chance to go, and in some ways, be protected from that. Actually, there was a couple of German theologians at that time that went to different places, Switzerland and other places, to, to miss out on you know, some of that persecution. And he jumped on the boat, He went over to America. He was one month in to his uh, adjunct professorship, and he was convicted by the Lord. And he wrote a letter back to home, and the letter uh, read something along, along the lines of, I can't participate in the reconstruction of Christianity in Germany if I don't endure its trials. In his heart, he knew I can't be part of the story into the future, if I'm not actually part of... The trouble that we're going through at this time. And he was so convicted, he jumped back on the boat and he went back to Germany and he lived in Germany. Uh, He uh, lived a life of confession and also resistance. And ultimately what happened was he was uh, arrested and uh, put in jail uh, for an attempt on uh, Hitler's life. And then two years later, he was hung. He he was... um, um, executed in uh, the uh, Flossenburg concentration camp, uh, two weeks uh, before the end of World War II. He lived a life following Jesus that meant something in his actions. It was fascinating, if you read a little bit more about Bonhoeffer, on his last day, his very last day of being alive, he was in the Flossenburg concentration camp and they asked him, the prisoners at the time asked him, would you lead a service for us? Would you lead a service? So on his last day, he's leading a church service for those that are with him. And there was a a prisoner there, another prisoner, American, I think. His name was Payne Best. And he said uh, that Bonhoeffer just found the right words to say. So in the midst of terrible grief, he's living out his faith. He's ministering to others in such a way that this prisoner would say, he just knew the right things to say. And apparently the last interaction between Bonhoeffer and Payne Best is, Bonhoeffer said to Payne Best, he said, this is the end, but for me the beginning of life. This is the end, but for me the beginning of life. He had a lived faith. Bonhoeffer attended to what mattered most in his life, cultivating this deep, rich, spiritual relationship with Jesus and then having the courage to live that out in his life. It meant something to him. You know, Clovey, at the beginning of this year, 2021, we want to invite you onto a journey to attend to what matters most, to actually uh, be brave enough to look at cultivating and growing a deep and intimate relationship with Jesus in our lives and across the church, but then also living that out in the world in which we find ourselves into this next season. And last year was a disrupted year in many ways. Uh, but by the grace of God and by his leading and by his faithfulness, we were still able to move ahead in what we were calling uh, the God sized dream. What would Clovy look like in 2030? We spent some time in prayer and fasting. Uh, we spent some time you know, together, you know, whether it was an online survey or focus group. And we had a little task force that pulled some threads together and, and put some things out there. And it's wonderful that uh, today we kind of stand on the, the, the kind of the edge of moving forward into this next season. And I want to just, you know, bring you to the card that was on your seat. If there wasn't one on your seat, you can just grab one from around you. There's a few extras floating around. And this um, card essentially outlines the vision for us moving into the future. You know, it's got our vision, our mission, and our values core to who we are. You know, our vision is for all people to become followers of Jesus. That's why we exist. If you didn't know, Chloe, that's... That's why we exist, for people to come to know Jesus. Our mission of loving God, loving people, and making disciples of Jesus together. And you can see our three values. We, we believe with all our heart that if we experience God, create community, and reach beyond, then we will love God and love people, make disciples of Jesus. We will then have an opportunity for people to come to know him. And that's why we exist. That's why we're here. It's what we're about. And then with that, we've got these five vision priorities. And you can see them here. Reach, which is about introducing people to Jesus. Grow, going deeper with Jesus. Multiply, raising and releasing leaders. Expand one church, many gatherings, and innovate, daring to to dream. We really believe that God has us in his hands, and he has a future for us, much bigger and more expansive than what we could ever imagine ourselves, which is why it's the God-sized dream. Our role is to follow him. Our role is to be led by Him. Our role is to be obedient to Him individually, as families, life groups, and as a church. And Michelle's word uh, this morning, I think, is a prophetic, prophetic verse for us as a church as we move into the next season from Zechariah 4, 6, where it says, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. You see, this card looks pretty cool. It will go in the fridge really nicely, Okay? where i'd like it to go and that's all great and we can organize things we can structure a few things up we can chase after a few things but you know what it's not by our might, it's not by our power but it's actually about being led by the spirit of god and my hope and my prayer is us as a church we more and more increasingly are led by the spirit of god and we're moving into the things that he has for us. And that, we, and that we are brave and we're bold. And that we are known more and more as a church and a people of faith. That's my hope and my prayer. Because it's God's mission. It's not our mission. It's God's mission. And we get to participate with him in this. And we trust that he will lead and make a way. And this is both our opportunity and our challenge. Because if we live this way, if we genuinely live with a heart to reach people, to grow, with a heart uh, to multiply uh, leaders, to expand uh, the kingdom footprint in and through the life of the church and innovate into new things, if we live in this way, we're going to live in such a way that you know I see uh, a healthy, growing, vibrant church that focuses on what matters most. That's what's going to happen. We're actually going to pull our resources into the things that matter most. And more importantly, and in that, it's going to please the Lord. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, as followers of Jesus, we want to live lives close to Him, be His ambassadors into our world, and live in such a way that brings joy to our Father in heaven. And we'll see more people coming to faith, more communities being planted, the local community being enriched by our gospel presence more and more, the world being impacted by a vision into the nations. We'll see leaders raised and released both here and into other places, praise the Lord, and much, much more that we don't even know yet as we bring ourselves before the Lord and say, Lord, not by might, not by power, but by your Spirit, Keep leading us, keep guiding us, keep shaping us as we respond to Him. So I wonder if this excites you. I wonder if there's something that moves you. I wonder if there's something in you that you kind of go, yeah, this is the sort of church that I'm a part of, but it's certainly a church that I want to grow into, into the future as well. Because I want to invite you on this journey. I want to invite you into the journey of helping us as we move forward into all that God has for us and it might be that you're on a journey of faith yourself still exploring what it means to follow jesus then great come along be part of it, it might be that you've joined our faith committee in this last year you might have come to know jesus or you've come from another place you might have moved from interstate or something like that and we say welcome be a part of this or it might be that you've been part of clobey for a very long time and you might be really mature in your uh, following of jesus and i want to invite you into this next season as we as we stand on the shoulders of all those gone in the past and we put our hand up and we recognize, you know what, it's now our time, it's our season, we're going to move forward and we're going to pull in and we're going to move into this together with God. And you're invited. I want you to know that you're invited into this and I encourage you to be part of this. And over this next month, we'll be looking at these vision priorities and just spending a bit of time sitting in them and saying, Lord, what do you have for us as we unpack some of what it means to move forward into what you have For us. And the first one here is reach, introducing people to Jesus. You know, and this is really core business, you know, for us as a church and individually in our lives is actually, you know, growing and cultivating this relationship with God and then living that out in our world, being his ambassador. This is what it means to focus in on what matters most. And we see this in the life of Jesus. We see that Jesus attending to helping people be healed, helping people be restored, helping people come to know his Father. It's what he uh, focused on when he was here on earth. And you might sometimes think about this and you go, well, what's God actually focused on? What's he interested in? Well, if you've had that question, then I encourage you to look at the person of Jesus. What did Jesus give his time to? What did he spend his time um, doing? Who did he spend his time with? Why? And actually, we see God in the person of Jesus. So Jesus spent a lot of time healing the sick. He spent a lot of time with the poor. He elevated people in society who didn't have a voice like women and children. He brought salvation, healing and restoration. And this, therefore, is what is important for us. It's interesting um, with what Jesus left his disciples with. He left them with a commission, a charge, an instruction, a command, if you will, in Matthew 28. It's a familiar verse to many where he says, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. So Jesus had this commission, this charge for his disciples when he uh, was going to the cross. And then uh, he spoke to his disciples again. He gave them a strategy in Acts 1.8, where he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. So he has this commission. Go, make disciples, knowing that I'm with you. You're not alone. And then he's got this strategy, which is quite simple, really. He says, you know what, you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You don't do it in your own power. You're filled with the Holy Spirit, and then you start local. You're in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then you go to the ends of the earth. You kind of find yourself all the way down to this little place on the underside of the earth called Australia. You know, what's really interesting is in the last kind of 350 years, the church in Asia, uh, the church in South America, the church in Africa has absolutely exploded at the same time where the church in the West, in the UK, in Australia, in uh, in um, the US, Canada, has been in decline. And it's fascinating to actually look at the fact that the church in you know, the, the global south and east is grown to a place um, of, of, of more strength in 350 years than what the church in the west throughout all of Christendom did in about 1700 years. And if you're interested in learning about this, there's a guy called Dr. Graham Hill. He's the principal of Stirling Theological College in Melbourne. He um, has done a lot of work on this and there's a website called the Global Church Project I'd encourage you to have a look at this because there's a lot for us to learn about what God's doing around the world. And also it's really important to know that we're not in the center of the story, all right? We're kind of on the margins of the story now and we're working and, and thinking and operating in a very different way to what we did years ago. But the strategy is the same. You start local and you move out global. So we've got a commission, we've got a strategy My question for all of us here today is, what is your context? What is your context? Because the commission and the strategy, if you've been following Jesus for any amount of time, you know that. That's locked in. But the reality is the church in the West is in decline, serious decline. My question is, what's your context? And everyone's context is going to be different. For some, it's in your family. For some, it's your street. For others, it's in your workplace. For others, it's your school or your university setting. For others, it's places that you play. Might be a sporting group or a dance group or something like that. What is your context to reach and introduce people to Jesus? Consider that now. Consider it. Ask the Lord. Lord, what is it? What is the context that I find myself in or my family we find ourselves in? Because by attending to the commission, the strategy, and and the context in our lives, we'll be focusing on what matters most. We'll be focusing on God and participating in his mission and bringing people to himself. And here at Clovey, we're going to continue to kind of stay really laser sharp on this. This is core business for us. And you can see on the card there that under the how it says local, national, and international. And our heart is to equip and develop every, everyone here at Clovey to be able to share their story, to be able to know uh, their story in the Lord and be able to share that in the different places and the context in which you find yourself. We're going to keep going with local initiatives, local missional initiatives. We're going to keep uh, moving down that track. In terms of national, we don't have much of a national um, kind of focus in, in and around mission, but we feel like the Lord's been saying some things around Clovey Online and how Clovey Online could reach out into country towns and rural areas where people don't have an opportunity to gather and, and experience God and, and in that sort of way. So we're kind of exploring that. And then with an international focus, we have a, a real heart and a desire. We want to send more workers overseas. We desire to do that, uh, develop and and build a pipeline of uh, people that can go overseas. We want to keep supporting our uh, missionaries. We want to keep supporting the agencies and uh, the partnerships that we have to be able to keep uh, being involved in international mission. Really, really important parts of who we are, but also where we're going into the future. But I wonder what it looks like for you, maybe in your life, maybe with your family, or with your life group. Or I wonder if you are here today and you say, Mike, I'm really keen. I just don't know where to start. I'm not sure even how to put words to my faith story. Or I'm not sure even how to share that with people in my context. Then we actually, we run a training course. called the Reaching Beyond course. Michelle runs it. It's going to be happening in a few weeks' time, February the 21st. I want to invite you to it. It's on at 10.30, so you know, for you guys here at 11, you might just need to come to nine and then jump in, grab a coffee and jump into the training, You know, if that's okay, just one time. But I want to invite you along to this because we want to make sure that you are equipped. I want to make sure that you have everything you need to share your story, to reach, to introduce people to Jesus. So very important. And this is what I know is that we know it's important, but many of us struggle with it. We know it's important, but sometimes we go silent at the moments we really wish that we had a better question to ask or something to say. So please consider this. February the 21st, 10.30, you can sign up at the point. I want you to be part of this so that we move forward together. You know, 2020 was a big year in many ways. And I know as I've talked to a number of you, it's come back to me that 2020 was also a year of refocus. Uh, a year of refocus. I know some people sorted out some family relationship dynamics. Other people made some shifts at work, try and get a bit more work-life balance. I know other people attended to their finances. I know these things because you said it to me. A year of refocus. And we have an opportunity now to focus in on what matters most individually and as a church and that's to introduce people to Jesus just for a moment I want you to think about who introduced you to Jesus who was it or who is it who introduced you to Jesus just bring that person to mind now For me, I grew up in a family with parents of faith and they brought me along to church and as part of the environment of my upbringing, but really it was a youth leader that came alongside, helped me explore faith, ask good questions, journeyed with me as it became real for me. What about you? Who was it or who is it introducing you to Jesus? Why don't you say a prayer of thanks? to them now. Just thank the Lord for them. Say, Lord, thank you for this person. You might even want to just drop them a text or write them a little note. You might want to do that during the week. Let me ask you, who will you be that person for this year? is it? Who is it that God's brought into your world? Or you don't even know who they are yet, but there's an openness in you to say, yes, Lord, I desire to introduce people to you. Who will you be this person for in 2021 and beyond? As you cultivate a deep and life-giving relationship with God and then make intentional choices to be his ambassador, to represent him, and to live out your faith in the context in which you find yourself.